Yes, you guys are hearing it properly. It is me back again. You you may be asking, you know, where'd you go or am I back for good now? Well, with the season getting ready to tip off soon, I thought it'd be a pretty good time to kind of reintegrate myself in the podcasting realm. You know, during the off season, you know, being busy and all this stuff and not feeling conf- the content itself was good enough to really put out and me feel good about it. I decided to hold off and gear up for the upcoming season. And like I said, it feels great to be back. Hold on, wait a second. Let me take a step back. My parents raised me better than this. How are you guys doing today? I hope your day is going well. And if not, I hope the little chunk of time you're choosing to spend listening to me, a random 21-year-old college kid, listen or talk about you know our beloved Cavaliers. And I hope this time can make your day a little bit better. So with this installment of Everything Cavaliers, we're talking about what I saw in the preseason game against St. Lorenz, Lorenzo, and I'll, you know, I'll be answering some fan questions that I received from the Twitterverse uh, a couple days ago. So without further ado, you know, let's tip things off and kind of hop into the good that I saw of the preseason game. So overall, I like the movement quite a bit, especially the backdoor movement that happened. It led to a handful of easy layups. And what this does, you know, it keeps the defense mindful of it. If they get hit with the backdoor cut, they're going to be more cautious when they're defending, you know, a guy off the ball. And that could lead to easier initiation into the offense, easier passes, easier handoffs, stuff like that. And even that can create easier shots uh, off of that. And, you know, and if they become too aggressive, they forget about the backdoor cut. You know, you just do a little swim move and you got another easy layup and you just kind of you got to cycle through that, got to read the defense, take what it gives you. And if that's, you know, a staple within the offense, it should allow for, you know, maybe two or three easy baskets a game for this team, which they need to find ways to get easy baskets for sure. I'm really excited to see how this offense differs from last year because last year's offense, anyone that watched any game, it was pretty rough on the eyes. A lot of problems stemmed from Kevin Love being out, And, you know, I don't expect there to be as many problems if, you know, I I also said when he misses a game, you might be saying, James, 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 relax. Don't put that into the universe. But I'm being realistic. It's inevitable. He's a lean, mean modeling machine now. You know, he's not as big as he was or as durable as he was in the Minnesota days. So just expect Kevin Love to miss some games here and there. Hopefully he plays around 60 to 65. That's what I'm hoping for but anything other than anything more than that is a huge plus and last year when he came back the offense was I think a top 15 offense in the 20 games or so he played now do I expect a top 15 offense the entire season no not necessarily I'd think more so top 20 but if it's a top 15 offense then that's perfect like the defense is going to be absolutely awful anyway, so we need, I mean, we need to score the ball. So I'm hoping with the weapons that we added or, yeah, through the draft and then getting Kevin Love back and guys kind of improving their skill sets, I'm really hoping that the offense is a top 15 offense, at the very least top 20. Open shots were pretty accessible throughout the game. And this kind of plays off the last point of the good movement and whatnot. Yeah, I know they weren't playing an NBA team, and I'm taking everything from this game with a grain of salt for the most part. But the shots themselves, they were open, but the Cavs just didn't hit them early on. And that's part of the 
a big part of the reason why the Cavs found themselves down a lot in the first quarter. And that ending may have sounded like a bad portion or a negative, but you know, that's all you can ask for is open shots. Make it's a maker miss league as we see commercials every between every game for, um, but yeah, they got the shots. They just didn't hit them early. This is what it is. It's part of the game. But for those of you who didn't watch, you may be wondering, <clears throat> James, with, you know, you said the Cavs struggled early and they were down. Who uh, who led the charge? Who kind of initiated the comeback? Well, I'm so glad you asked that question. So glad. Darius freaking Garland was the catalyst to the initial run to start the second quarter that, you know, I think the Cavs were up two and then it blew their lead open at 10. Um, I'm hoping, you know, with this with the lineup they had to start the second quarter it was Sexland. Thank shout out to Justin Rowan for the intuitive nickname of our, <laughs> our young backcourt. Uh, Jetty, Kevin Love, and Tristan Thompson. Those are the five that came out there. I'm hoping that when we go to Orlando on October 23rd to open the season, hoping that's the uh that's the lineup that tips off the game, because I think that's the best lineup that we have at the moment. Um and Garland talked about after the game how they were talking in the huddle. And they were saying, you know, let's play for real, all this stuff. And that count sounds kind of mean, you know, that they weren't really trying early on or f- to their fullest, I guess. But it kind of seemed true. I mean, once they kind of flipped the switch, it they blew the doors off San Lorenzo, which, I mean, they should. <laughs> They're an NBA team, for God's sake. But going back to Garland, his fluidity is pretty damn impressive for being 19 years old. And Monday was his first uh, game of organized basketball in 11 months since tearing his meniscus against Kent State University. Lo and behold, the school that I am currently attending, you know, it's kind of interesting little point there. Um, and the pressure he puts on the defense, you know, he everyone talks about gravity when it comes to a lot of these point guards. And he has gravity, just not like the likes of Steph or Trey Young at this point, but I, if you told me there was a universe where he develops that kind of range in gravity, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think, you know, when he hit his first step back three, his first bucket as a Cavalier, I think we were all kind of had everyone hollering there because it was, it was a fluid step back into a nice. He's such a smooth shot. It's so pretty. It's just it, every ball looks like it's going in, and that's that's a trait that not everybody has for sure. His handles. I think his handle is going to create a lot of wow plays this year. He's going to have some defenders looking quite silly. And I mean, that's something that, you know, every team wants. Every every team wants a really good ball handler. And we haven't had that since Kyrie. And even before that, I don't know the last, like, ball handler with those types of handles we have. I don't, I mean, if you consider Mark Price, you know, I didn't get to watch him play. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think Darius is probably going to be the second best dribbler of the basketball that the Cavs have ever had. I know that's a bold claim, but if you just watching him, you can tell that he he's got it when it especially handling the ball. He showed flashes of being able to create for others than, you know, these draft experts had given gave him credit for. They didn't really highlight playmaking or passing as one of his strong suits, but he you can tell he's he's it actual point guard he knows where to where to put the ball and where it has to be so that's really encouraging because the Cavs didn't have that last year and they they need that really really badly 
And finally on Garland, the defensive effort was there. And, you know, that's really all you can ask for. A smaller, smallish guard, or I guess he's average-sized guard, especially a young guard You can't isn't going to be a good defender. We saw Sexton was literally the worst defender in the league last year or bottom five. I don't remember off the top of my head. But the effort was there. That's all I can ask for. I don't anticipate him ever being an above-average defender. So as long as he tries, I'm perfectly okay with that. Now shifting gears to another young and that impressed, I think, a lot of us saw Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, he was he was he's really fun to watch, man. I'm really excited for this upcoming season and his hopefully long stint with the Cavaliers. He got to the rim pretty easily and he finished well with and without contact. I think he I'm not sure if he had two and ones or just one, but the initial one he had was really nice. Took he absolutely absorbed the contact, hung in the air for a while, and uh, finished the ball strong. And but. The play that had me had me rolling. It was a transition. He had a little cross that shifted the defender and he got just walked to the rim. It was so nice. It's kind of his signature move that you know we saw a lot of in college and even high school. So Cavs fans get used to seeing that left to right cross from Kevin Porter Jr. It's I mean it's really effective and he's really quick with it. So I don't blame him for using it as much as he does. And he can score the ball, man. I, I We all know this. That's his – I mean, he was the best isolation player in the draft. That's what he's known for, scoring the ball. And an interesting note, after the game, Beeline deemed Kevin Porter Jr. a wolf as well. And you may be wondering what the term wolf means. In John Beeline's system, a wolf is basically a guy who goes and hunts and gets his own shot. Jordan Clarkson was deep, was given that name, you know, a couple of days ago. And now Kevin Porter Jr. also uh, also is a wolf now, which is cool. I think that's – I hope they kind of let him go and let him create because I think that's when he's at his best. But you have to do it in sample sizes, I guess, because you can't just let a rookie just absolutely fire the ball out. You have to call it for him and just, just let him at, from time to time just create on his own because that's his, that's his transferable skill or one of them, I should say. And, yeah, he seemed really comfortable, which is good. We'll see against, I think they play the Celtics on Friday. Or, no, they play the Pistons Friday and then the uh, Celtics Sunday. So, we'll get to see them against actual NBA competition, which is good. It'll be more of a telltale of things to come. And going with some vets, or the two vets I was most happy with, were Tristan Thompson and Jordan Clarkson. Tristan looked pretty young and spry again. He, he was battling early with the other center. I think Batista was his name. I don't remember, to be completely honest. Uh, they were just going back and forth. <laughs> it kind of looked like a like a park setting where it was just a one-on-one battle. They just dumped the ball into each center, and they just go at it for probably three, four, five possessions. So it was, it was a different little wrinkle, and it was kind of fun to watch. I think a lot of people seem to have forgotten how valuable Tristan can be when he's healthy. He was incredible during, obviously, the beloved championship year of 2016, and that was the last season he was really healthy. Hopefully he can return to that form, or who knows, even eclipse it. He remains one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. We all know this. And that, I think, will make him quite a hot commodity come the trade deadline, which which we'll get into a little bit later as well. But I think if he's healthy, he's his name's going to come up a lot. Uh, come February and Jordan Clarkson as well 
know, he was himself. He was, as of now, the best shot creator on the team. And he doesn't really look like he's missed a beat from last season. And another Cav that I think is has a really good potential of being moved, unfortunately. But, I mean, everyone's available for the right price. If if someone gives you, like, a first-round pick for Jordan Clarkson, you got to take it. I know, you know some people don't really like Jordan because of his shot-chucking mentality and just kind of tunnel vision at times. But I don't, I don't really mind Jordan. He's fun to watch, and especially last year, he was one of the only fun things to watch him and Colin at the last uh, portion of the season. Now getting into the bad, uh, there was less bad than good, which is encouraging, but again, wasn't against an NBA team. So I would, I would hope there's more good than there's bad, but the defense early on was not, was not good. San Lorenzo was getting open shots and after about four minutes, they kind of settled in and, you know, they started hitting threes and whatnot. And, you know, my thought was like, what the hell is going on? Are we seriously going to be challenged for a majority of this game by this team from Argentina? I mean, no disrespect to them. They're really good within the Argentinian league. I think uh, the announcers were saying that they've won like four division titles in a row or something like that. So credit to them. They're good over there, but I was not happy in the first quarter. I didn't expect them to look great, but they looked really bad. And there was just a highway to the basket. I think San Lorenzo had like 36 points in the paint, like in the first half, which is not, you don't want that. And if it's, that's an against an NBA team, you're going to get destroyed, absolutely demolished. And But they did tighten up as the game went on and, you know, as you kind of expected to. But I got to, Got to give credit to their guard, Dar Tucker is his name. You know, he, he'd he get, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. or one of these other guards in the post, and he just chicken wing hook him. And like four or five times in a row he did it. Or not in a row, but throughout the game. And it was just so frustrating because the referee didn't call it. And I saw it, and, you know, AC even saw it. He pointed it out after like the third time. I don't know how you missed it so many times. And I think Kevin Porter Jr. might have picked up he picked up at least one, maybe even two fouls from it because, you know, that's frustrating when you get hooked and you don't get a foul call. But got to give credit to the guard. He, I guess he knew how to hide it. Um, Another bad point that I noticed, there were still too many possessions where the initial action wasn't open, and it's just Colin Sexton dribbling, you know, in the same place for five to eight seconds. I had so many flashbacks to last year that – it caused me to like get the nervous itch. I I, just, I didn't like it at all. Uh, staying on Sexton doesn't really seem like his passing vision or like feel has really improved that much. I know it's just one preseason game and this is being kind of nitpicky, but there was a moment where the Cavs swung the ball really well. The defense was rotating. They were scrambling a little bit and Sexton's on kind of the right elbow wing area behind the three-point line. And he has a wide, I think it was Darius Garland, I think. He was wide open to the left. All Sexton do, has to do is swing it. Defender's closing out. He decides to shoot it instead. And that was kind of frustrating because it was. it's a clear swing, one more pass scenario. And, I mean, it wasn't a bad shot by any means, but you could have gotten a great shot from a better shooter at this point, which is kind of crazy to say. But that's that was just a little point that frustrated me from Colin and I don't imagine his passing is, is going to improve all that much considering that happened but you know I'm not going to 
I'm not going to harp on it too much. I'm not going to read too much into it. Like I said, being real nitpicky there. And again, it's, it's the first preseason game. It's little things like that, that I hope improve. And throughout experience, I think will, I'm hopeful for, but if it didn't, I wouldn't surprise me. Um, I think maybe the part that stuck out the most to me was Tristan Thompson three-pointers. Um, I don't really know how I feel about that at this point. I don't really like it. Um, but he's confident enough to take him and seems like Beeline supports it. So I guess I hope over time, you know, I get used to it. Or he at least, that first one he hits is going to be, a, it's going to be insane. I never in a million years thought of Tristan Thompson shooting threes willingly. Uh, I saw that report probably two or three weeks ago. I think I saw it from uh, Chris Fedor and I, I tweeted it out and I got like three or four replies within, you know, five, 10 minutes. Just people couldn't believe it. And yeah, I, I still can't. And I saw him take two of them. So it's going to be, it's definitely going to be an interesting wrinkle of this offense. Um, to finish up the bad, uh, there really wasn't all that much. Like I said, since it's preseason, not going to read too much in anything or blow anything out of proportion. Just going to have fun with this preseason. Enjoy this young team. Get probably too excited for our young guys, but you know, it is what it is. That's what everyone does. It was just really good to see our boys back out on the court again. And this is where we are going to take a quick break. So this is your time, you know, go to the bathroom, get some food, get a drink. But after the break, we will jump into some fan questions there are quite a few, so you're going to want to stay tuned. See you guys after the break. Peace. So the first question comes from Mac Penn Media, and he asks, what is a realistic expectation for this extremely young Cavs squad? Their future looks bright, but how long do you think it'll take to get them back to the playoffs? So some, what I think, horrific defensively and hopefully exciting offensively. And as a team, I think they'll win anywhere from probably 25 to 28 games in that realm, uh, I think. As much as I'd love to pound my fist into my desk, go hoorah and try and convince myself and you guys that we're going to make a playoff push, I can't bring myself to it because it wouldn't be real at all. Um, our most important players have been super fragile, and we're, we're very young, so that an experience is going to lose us some games. But I do think... I think two years from now is a pretty, pretty realistic expectation for playoffs again for the Cavs. Um, If the young guys hit just right off the bat, maybe next year, but I think that's being pretty ambitious. So I'm going to be safe and play in say two years down the line, Cavs will be in the playoffs again. The next question comes from Ty Yeager Radio. Shout out those two guys. They have a great Spurs podcast. Go check them out. Uh, it's at the line podcast again, two, two of my good friends on here. So shout, shout out to them. And he says, do you think the Cavs will trade Kevin Love or any other players before the deadline? I will start this off by saying anything, anyone on this team is movable for the right price as they should be. There's no one, there's no generational talent. I don't think, um, but I, I don't think Kevin Love's going to get traded to be honest at this deadline, at least. Um, unless some team gets really desperate and throws like two firsts or like a really enticing young player at the Cavs. 
I don't see them trading Kevin Love. They value Kevin a lot higher than other teams do, and which they should. I think he adds a lot, a lot of value off the court, you know, in the locker room, stuff like that, that other teams don't necessarily get to experience. So they wouldn't see it. So they just see him at face value on the court. Um, and yeah, so I think the Cavs are going to hang on to him. I think they want to keep him. And Kevin said, you know, he it's the right answer, but he said he wants to be in Cleveland for the long haul. So I'm really, you know, I'm excited about that. I want Kevin Love around. I like Kevin on and off the court. So any other players? Um, I expect Brandon Knight and John Henson to be traded where obviously a contender, but I think they'll get enough minutes to bolster their value to where the Cavs will at least get something in return and their expiring deals. I don't think they're going to be a part of this team going forward. So trading for anything, anything of value, I think is smart. And if you, I can see a world where Jordan Clarkson and Tristan Thompson get traded, but honestly, I'd like to keep those guys around. But again, everyone's, everyone's tradable. Everyone's movable for, the right price so yeah i'll just leave it at that i won't ramble on too much and but this question kind of plays into that last question it's by ballify mba he's he asks do you favor keeping guys like kevin love and tristan thompson for leadership or would you rather they be traded for more young players i think i'm in the minority here but i'd like to keep these guys around you need adults in the room you know to guide the younger players to help them develop good habits this isn't a 2K simulation. You don't just dump all your big and bad contracts for super young players and picks, and it works every time. That's not how the NBA works. Young guys don't know how to win, and without vets, that process is going to be slowed down, and they may never get there. I mean, just look at teams like the Suns and even the Timberwolves. No shots at you guys. I'm just using you as an example. You guys have seen to have a young core for quite a while, and or it seems like you're kind of stuck in the mud a little bit, not really going anywhere. Um, and maybe that's that's because, you know, the right vets aren't around the team or there's too much turnover, stuff like that. There isn't consistency, which is really important. But I value, like, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, and Delhi. even. You know, they won championships. They've won at the highest level. They know what it takes to win. And that's way more valuable than, you know, two second-round picks you're going to get from – from Portland or whatever, whatever playoff team that is going to trade for some of these guys. So that's, yeah, I'd rather have them on the team than have a couple second round picks. So I think this next question is kind of a troll question. It's from at Bill PK8. <laughs> he says, over under five panic attacks for Kevin Love. Uh, I'm going to go under on this one and just move on. Uh, now, the next two come from my boy, Zero Dark 23. He asks, what, first, firstly, I'll go. Uh, he asks, what is my favorite prospect in this year's draft? Uh, in general, I like Anthony Edwards, you know, in jet, yeah, as a whole in the draft class, I like Anthony Edwards. He's like a burly two guard. He's 6'5, 225. He's explosive as hell and can score from anywhere. Uh, with his body and athleticism, he can be a good, maybe even great individual defender which is kind of hard to find. But for the Cavs, I'd say either James Wiseman or Denny Avdija. I think that's how you say it. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but that's pretty much for fit purposes and where the Cavs are kind of weak right now. Wiseman's an athletic 
7-1 center who has a developing and work-in-progress shot from the outside, and he can be an elite rim protector. I kind of see him as Miles Turner with more upside. So if that entices you, James Wiseman's your guy. Um, and as for Denny, he's a really, really young wing from Israel. He's 6'9", like, two, like in the 215 range uh, weight-wise. Now, I haven't been able to watch much of him because you know, he's been overseas and I just heard about him you know, a month or two ago. Um, but from what I've been <clears throat> excuse me, able to read, uh, he's kind of like like a Luka Doncic's light version. Now, I read that his best position could be um, as a primary ball handler. And, you know, could he be like a Luka Doncic type or could it be Mario Hazonia? Because Hazonia had this huge praise coming out and, you know, he's a journeyman now. He's just one-year deals. So it's so hard to get a read on any of these young players, let alone European guys or I should say overseas guys. But, yeah, we all know the draft is a crapshoot. The fit is there. And also, dare I mention LaMelo Ball? You know, I, I won't touch that subject of Mello as a future Cav because I'm sure I'll talk a lot about it in the upcoming season. But just a little side note, uh, I read, I, I read, I read that the Cavs are love Mello's pro potential and that they're really enticed with them or with it. So we might see them take three point guards in back to back to back drafts. I say, let's do it. You know, let's be the fastest team in the league. Sure, we'd suck on defense, but defense is for nerds. Let's put the ball in the basket, baby. <laughs> and uh, second question from Zero Dark Twenty Three is who should we trade? You know, I the two that I say are Brandon Knight and John Henson. So getting on to the next one uh, is from at Fantasy NBA Layup says Garland came off the bench and Brandon Knight. Of all players started in the first game. I know it's preseason, but are you reading into that at all? Do you expect Garland to get this the starting nod early on in the season, or do you feel it might take a while before Beeline starts him? <clears throat> I'm not reading too much into the starting lineup of the preseason game because I mean Beeline said not to, so you know I'm not going to. Garland <clears throat> Garland had a foot soreness and missed some practice time, so I think. I mean, they said they're being very cautious with him, which I think is a smart idea. And if this offense continues to click with Garland out there, I don't think Beeline will really have a choice on whether to start him or not. Uh, But, I mean, last year we thought Sexton was going to start, but George Hill did get the nod in the early part of the season. But, you know, it's a different scenario, different coaching staff. The team was in a completely different state than they are now, so... I'm not going to compare this to last year at all because that would be absolutely miserable if it's anything like last year. Um, but if you told me they're going to start off with Darius Slow and kind of build his playing time, you know, start him off the bench at like 15 to 18 minutes a game and eventually have him start, I could see that. I wouldn't love it, but I wouldn't be mad at it either. I really hope they start Garland. I think he's going to be a special player in this league for, for a long time, hopefully. And the final question comes from at the full court pod. And he says, what's Darius Garland's ceiling? So I think his ceiling is a top guard in this league. You know, his best skills are ones that the top point guards possess. You know, ball handling is shooting off the live dribble. Steph, Dame, Kyrie, Kemba, just to name a few. They all have 
this skill set and this elite skill of theirs. And Garland has it. It's just not elite yet. But if as he continues to develop and kind of figure out the game, it's it's going to come. Trust me. I'm I'm driving this Darius Garland hype train, and anyone's allowed to hop on. Nobody can tell me that he's not going to be good. I won't listen. I'll tune you out. He's going to be great. He's going to be an all-star. Top point guard in this league for 12 to 15 years, hopefully. But yeah, that's <laughs> that's my take on Darius Garland. And that was the last question. So that pretty much wraps up this episode. Thank you all so much for listening. You can find my podcast on any of the main podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or, you know, easiest way, just wherever you're listening now, go back for the next episode and tune in. You know, you can find me on Twitter, on my personal account at James underscore Lockery7, or you can follow the podcast at underscore Everything Cavs. I'm most active on there. I, I want to interact with you guys. You know, tell me what you think about the episode or just basketball or Cavaliers in general. I, I'll talk basketball with anybody. Anyone who knows me knows this. So until next time, this is James Lockery of the Everything Cavaliers podcast signing off.